There's like a, a like coming where I kiss your neck and something wasp nest. There's necks everywhere. I think that I think the neck is like the most intimate. I mean, there's the eyes, obviously, but like and people kiss, but like the touching of a person's neck, or is 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 much more intimate than kissing somebody on the mouth and making out with somebody. Don't you think? It's like the beginning of. I mean, it's a, it feels like the neck is is like I'll let I feel safe with you. I'm letting you. You know, I know you're not going to strangle me. <laughs> it's that simple, you know, it's like, or, or, or turn me into a vampire, you know, or maybe you are, you know, it's like it, it, the neck is the first line of, of vulnerability for us, I think, I guess, physically. I'm Christopher Hooten. And I'm David Rapson. And for the next few minutes, we're living on coffee and flowers. Boxer makes me think of a time when I was walking around New York City at four in the morning and having a Demos definitely from the similar sort of it's almost physical. It's just this or it is physical. It's just this pattern that gets got in my head and got in my hands and it kind of carries itself in a lot of the it has a lot of internal rhythm to it and uh Matt wrote to it and it felt, it was just a simple demo, but it felt great. You know, it was, it was, it felt like it had legs or something, but actually finishing it was very elusive. And like, what would the arrangement be and how would the, you know, what would it do? Where, where would it go? Ada, don't talk about reasons why you don't want to talk about reasons why you don't want to talk. Now that you've got everybody you consider sharp all alone, all together, all together in the dark. Leave it all up in the air. Leave it all up in the air. Leave it all up in the air. I don't know who Ada is yet, but I know the situation for sure. Um, when mm-hmm. a conversation or an argument can come a bit of an ouroboros, you know, like the snake that's eating its own tail when the argument eats itself. Mm-hmm. I, I think a lot about how, you know, so many arguments are about arguing or right. the times when, you know, someone accuses someone else of acting off and now they think that that's made them act off and that, right. that kind of, right. that's the kind of vibe I get here. Oof. Yeah, it sounds really uncomfortable but yeah I, I totally know what you mean like a, a, it's like a, a self-fulfilling prophecy once you get into that situation yeah you it, well, well actually you, you put it best really i can't really build on that it's just arguing about arguing yeah then with the, with the next line i mean 
now that you got everybody you consider sharp all alone all together all together in the dark it seems to me like the song doesn't really want to completely show its hand here but um there is a sense that this character ada's kind of gathered her brightest and best friends um or at least she's got a good support network but she maybe still won't open up to them mm. it, yeah for, for me uh, this, this is a bit like we know we were talking about in squad of victoria how there was inherently quite um you know we were talking about at a national show when you can really embrace singing squad of victoria even you, even though you know when matt wrote it it was inherently a little bit negative but you can like really get behind it and be like squad of victoria in a kind mm. of like, enjoyment way similarly all al- this line about now that you've got everybody you consider sharp, all alone, all together, all together in the dark. I think it's very critical because like, it's almost like accusatory. Like everyone that you consider sharp, it implies that the narrator doesn't. And like, now you've got them all together. In the scenario painted all alone, all together, together in the dark. It's It sounds like it's quite a negative one. But, yeah. I, but I have such an affection for it. And I, I, I think that's largely to do with our, our trip to Cincinnati for homecoming, where many national fans um, were. And it, just all alone, all together, all together in the dark. I really picture of that evening set when, when um, uh, you're, we're all in Smale Park on the riverfront, and it's a, it's a you know it's a dark scene, and everybody has their is, is kind of alone because you've all got your individual um, readings of the national. Everyone's got different, different lyrics calling out to them, so there is quite an individual experience at a show. But there's such a connection of national fans at homecoming, and whenever I hear those words. All together, alone in the dark. It, it just reminds me of being at Smale Park at that festival, and I know it's again, it's just my own sort of interpretation. But it, what I'm saying, I guess, is like there's this. I take a positivity from that. All these people being all together, it's quite a nice feeling, even even though I think it was written in quite a accusatory and like negative way. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think in the within the confines of the song, it's everyone's all together, but they're all still being kept in the dark. But you're right. I I I kind of consider that that lyric alone. Um, I think for me, rather than I, I like that image of, you know, everyone in, in the crowd under the night sky at a show. But I often think of it as like, you know, when you have groups of people together, this the feeling like you, you kind of experience everyone experiences a unique kind of pain or emotion. And you're very much alone in that. But you feel less lonely when you're with other people who are dealing with their own issues, even though okay. they're all different. But the fact that you're all clumped together, you yeah. find some kind of camaraderie in that. And I yeah. guess that's how I feel about that line. Yeah. But yeah, I, but yeah I think here it here it's like. Ada, I guess, is someone we don't really know what she's struggling with, but she's struggling in some way. But and these people are here and they're trying to help her, but she maybe doesn't want help or she can't bring herself to like offer herself up to help. And yeah. instead, she leaves it leaves it all up in the air. I mean, it, it, the, the narrator almost sounds exasperated with her. Like, why would you want to leave things unresolved, you know, and keep people worrying? Why do you, why would you want to leave things up in the air? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Ada, put the sounds of your hearts in a song. Try to be speechless for a minute If you think you're gonna think Go out in the hallway Let them all have your name Ada, don't stay in Ada, put the sounds of your house in a song Try to be speechless for a minute If you think you're gonna faint Go out in the hallway Let them all have your neck I think almost all of that's hers. Uh, a lot of times, like, she'll have a phrase and I'll finish it out or, or vice versa. Um, but this is this is one. Um, I think the try to be speechless for a minute was me. Uh, it goes back to me. I, I do that all the time. I'm constantly writing about shutting up. <laughs> I'm constantly singing about shutting up and, and wishing I could 
mostly because people are asking me to shut up most of the time. But um, so, but th- yeah, that whole the sounds of your house in a song. It, it was was um, th- we were recording there, and 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 the sounds, everything was was getting recorded, and she was listening to the demos, and we set up a little sound booth like in the corner, um, and and with a microphone, and so so it was that was like literal, and and like every take I would you know I would always be lighting cigarettes and have a drink in my hand, and and all that became she loved all that. To put the sounds of your house in this in a song was for me about like honestly every demo starts with his ice clinking in his class. It's very Dean Martin-y. It's very I just found it so Dean Martin-y and so ridiculous. It made me laugh. Made me laugh every time. But like that's all you hear. You hear <clears throat> and the ice clink. The let them all have your neck is also hers for sure um and we even put that on the liner notes um i think it's this whole thing about sticking your neck out and and t- yeah, taking vulnerability ch- yeah. yeah 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 i think a lot about necks too i realize i just realized that anyway. there's a lot of that on the on this on the most recent record right yeah i thought i thought if i stuck my neck out it would get you out of your shell maybe yeah there's also there's all kinds of there, i always and, and not not to be grim it's it's but but there's a lot of hanging and suicide you know all kinds of suicide references in in all of our re- records and in, in almost every song there's there's probably a little bit of one somewhere and that's just a really normal there's like sex and in suicide and and or death and birth and, and, and almost, uh, definitely on every record, right? Um, and so the neck, let them have your neck sticking your neck out. Um, you know, uh, there's, 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 you know, Elvi has autoerotic association songs on it. Um, uh, yeah, I feel like that's kind of, it's also Corinne's, not the suicide stuff, but, but the like, just the, that, 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 Exposing yourself, she's much more of a. She's much more. I expose myself much more freely than she does, and I think much more freely than most people do. Um, and and for whatever reason, I'm, I'm, I I I, um, I do. I just I guess I, I, don't, I think of myself as an introvert, but I manage to be a total showboat through, somehow. But she's not like that, and and. Um, and I think there's also women in necks, and I think that's why she's there's, there's the collar, and, and um, I, I know I know women that just feel much more comfortable just with the collar, and so do I. I feel like you know I, I don't know. There, there's something about when you expose your neck that's that, that, that's really that's a really exposing thing, you know. And I mean for obvious you know reasons, but um, but um, I think it just with women it's different. So I feel like the neck stuff kind of I got she triggered all that stuff with, with me. Maybe that's I'm still writing about next because of her. I don't know. It don't stay in the lake too long. It lives alone and it barely knows you. It'll have a nervous breakdown and fall into a thousand cases around you. Ada, don't stay in the lake too long. It lives alone and it barely knows you. It'll have a nervous breakdown and fall into a thousand pieces around you. Here we find Matt at his most velvety toned, I think, and uh, also very specific. This image—it's a lovely. I really like this verse. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, we have—I guess we have this image of Ada taking a sort of contemplative swim um, in a still lake, and 
the protagonist perhaps persuading her to seek refuge in something a little bit less solitary. Um, I like the personification of the lake. Yeah, I love the personification of the lake. Like, I get that it, it could be metaphorical and all this is really about Ada, you know, like the water reflecting her mental state. Right. But I, I, I like this idea of looking at things from the lake's perspective. It's like, <laughs> hey, hey, the lake wants to live alone. It's like, leave it alone. Mate. Like, he doesn't even know you and you're just plunging right into its waters. Man, that's really uh, great. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's supposed to make sense necessarily, but it has a kind of mindful and almost like environmentalist tone for me. Um, okay. I think it's about like thinking outside of yourself and about how everything around you is a living, breathing thing or else it just kind of ratchets up this sense of anxiety and how when you're gripped by it, it feels like absolutely everywhere. It's like that feeling is absolutely everywhere, even in the lake, you know, even in your surroundings. Right. And I guess, I, I, and I guess like the latter's paid off in the, in, the, in the next line, I guess, you know, we think about lakes rippling, shivering almost. And it's, I think it's such a great visual that the conclusion to that might be this vast body of water breaking into a thousand pieces like I, right. want a, I want a painting of that moment right right it's interesting because there's not a lot of uh, nature in the national songs the, na no. the, the national is very much a character driven narrative or if always. it is it's urban usually right right yeah yeah cityscapes and uh, city bank lights but um, interestingly here when the, the one time we do get a bit of like the great outdoors it's personified and it has a nervous breakdown <laughs> very like the the uh, the nature in this is like a, a character in a in a quite a dark film yeah that's interesting that's, uh, yeah i mean a lot of a lot of bands like do focus on a lot of like like outdoors like like the beauty of like nature it's quite a, it's quite a well well versed like musical topic and the national don't really venture into it and this is a rare exploration but yeah it's it's not a it's not certainly not like a a, a tourist board message to go and have a swim in the lake. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's going to have a nervous breakdown and fall into a thousand pieces around you. Yeah. It's just nice to think about. Yeah. I think it's just like nice. Like as, as with most national songs, I get, I get like a painting in my head about what it's about. I just kind of like picturing a, a lake falling into a thousand pieces around you. It's quite like shards of glass, like pouring through in quite a, in quite a balletic yeah, yeah, way. It's a really nice image. And yeah, it's, it's silly. You know, it's like, People look at the horizon, but maybe the horizon feels a bit shy. Doesn't want people to look, you know. I think uh, I, I once spoke to Matt, and he said that um, a song has to be twenty percent stupid, otherwise it's just irritating. <laughs> Sometimes you just need to go off into these weird images. Stand inside an empty tuxedo with grapes in my mouth, waiting for Ada. Ada, hold on to yourself by the sleeves. I think everything counts a little more than we think. Dave, I know you like, you're fond of this line. I'm a huge fan of this line. I think I just love the juxtaposition there. Like a tuxedo is such a grandiose thing, but it's completely vacuous and there's nothing there. <laughs> it's like, it's, I tell you what, if, if, if you had to guess what the person standing at the punch table swallowing punch was wearing. They were wearing an empty tuxedo. Yes. They're so, yeah, those, they're so linked. I can, they, I'm completely on board with that. They were not there. They were not there. Yeah, they were they not were present really... at that, 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 that table. They were, you would have seen a tuxedo, yeah. but nobody, nobody had nothing behind the eyes. That, that, there was an empty tuxedo there swallowing punch. So they yeah. I felt like they were filling an empty tuxedo and they had no right to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Empty tuxedo is such a, a, a brilliant phrase. It's, it's um, it's a nationalism. It's it's, it's yeah. just in the 
I had this like stupid line in a short story I once wrote where they said like, "Do opened envelopes feel gutted?" I think this is like a similar idea, you know, we we never really think of a suit or a dress hanging up as being empty and not like fulfilling their purpose. And suddenly that image of it hanging there on a coat hanger just feels sort of sad. Yeah, totally. I love that. I love the idea of like clothes almost being um, like personified again, but like having a, um, yeah, just like the picture of like anthropomorphic objects that just are quite uh, empty. Yeah, we got, we got lakes feeling anxious. We've got tuxedos and like feeling bereft <laughs> there's a there's a really nice line in um um there's a dry the river song called gethsemane and like uh dry the river probably not everyone's favorite band but i've, I've got a real affection for dry the river and there's this line <clears throat> about um well i won't say what's about but here's just the line verbatim i dig your dresses out and hang them round about the house and turn the lights down low now you're everywhere i go looking faintly disappointed it's so lovely about the the lack of someone being there, almost as, as important as having a character. <sighs> yeah, and you know, your brain's now made me zing over to like that uh, line by why, you know, uh, we lifted the body from the water like a gown. Mm. It's, yeah, I like that imagery. Yeah, I love the imagery of like clothes as humans. I guess there's a lot of that in national stuff as well. Like you, you would, it, 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 it quite often doesn't define the person by the person, but by the things that they are yeah. covered in. You know, 15 blue shirts and... Um, I'll be in the lobby in the blue fuck me shirt in the green fuck me shirt oh is that, is that, one. that's that Elvi yeah. yeah and there's um, showered and blue blazered yeah there's a lot of uh, I guess when you when you define a person by the clothes they're wearing you instantly degrade like the person I guess or, or you just like belittle it a little bit or you do uh, I don't know is that true hmm I guess it's like it's just it's that thing again of like looking at an object as an object yeah like, looking at something quite like straight on so as to like be very blunt about it like like in the same way in green gloves he says i have arms for you yeah oh, i have arms for them rather like yeah. it's like arms are a thing and like this is a tuxedo this is a shirt they're very like they are dispassionately labeled correctly that is what it is yeah i and think it's that, cold yeah it goes back to i think what what matt said in the brainy episode about like you if you if you want to get someone to picture you know picture a person you could you could go on like describing you know the look on their face, but if you just say they're they're sitting in the blue chair, somehow it's just more it's more evocative. Mm. And, and then yeah, empty tuxedo is maybe one of the best ones. Yeah, I love and that. then grapes in my mouth. Is this wine for you? Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I, I whether it's valid or not, I kind of like picturing like a kind of because the tuxedo. I, I, is it is it fair to say it's inherently male? I guess a woman can wear a tuxedo, but in this case, I'm picturing a man. Um, being being very distant, like obviously at a, at a party or something as well, like as we said. So I'm picturing a man looking very distant wearing tuxedo, and no, I see him as just putting like a bunch of grapes in his mouth. Interesting. Yeah, I was I was setting you up to say wine, but I think it's grapes as well. For, yeah, yeah. Like for, I, I get that it could be it could be wine, but grapes are quite often part of like um, when like hospitality. Like if someone's putting on a spread yeah. at a party, there's always grapes. And again, and like, it just adds a little bit of silliness to it as well. For, like for me, he's in a tuxedo in a tuxedo, leaning against a wall, waiting for Ada, kind of idly tossing grapes in the air and catching them in his mouth. That's right. what I'm thinking of then. Tuxedo would be a good uh, a good casino name, like mandatory tuxedo. <laughs> tuxedo casino um yeah i guess i guess that this is this is like a playful thing isn't it like uh describing him by the thing that he's stuffing in his gob um yeah and then ada hold on to yourself by the sleeves i guess it's like 
hold on to yourself by the sleeves or you might spontaneously soar out of your clothes, like leaving behind again, like an empty tuxedo or an empty dress. I, I, I see it as similar to, um, I have to hold you by the edges. Uh, like, yeah, uh, you were always weird, but I never had to hold you by the edges like I do now, which is a, a line that uh, pertains to, I guess, being careful. And it's like the same thing. It's like when, when you hold, if you held someone by the sleeves, you'd be doing so quite delicately, right? I'm not grabbing you by the shoulders. I'm not shaking you by the head. I'm just holding you by the sleeves and holding yourself by the sleeves particularly is like very, like do it to yourself right now. You're like, you're like very, you're packaging yourself up into a little tiny space to be so, so as to be careful, I suppose. And it's like, one thing I don't like through the, the, the tone of this song is how like, um, it's almost condescending, like talking to Ada. Ada's really getting told off in this song. Like Ada, do this, Ada, do that. And like, Ada, if you're going to faint, like go out in the hallway. Like it's, it's very like, I don't, I don't, I mean, maybe the, the hallway line, but the rest of it, I find it quite affectionate. Like, I think, I think it's, it's like a ha, trying to help. Ada. Yeah, I think he's really trying to help. He's like, just like, like, hold on to yourself by the sleeves. Like, don't, you know, go flying out of them, you know, in, in the kind of metaphorical sense, you know, stay, stay here, stay with me. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I love that line. I think everything counts a little more than we think. It's such a classic national line as well. Yeah. It's utterly ambiguous as the best lines are. But, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, you said um, back in with Fake Empire that uh, let's not try to figure out everything at once or to your ear at once uh, became like a bit of a mantra for you. I guess this is a bit of a mantra for me, actually. Like, really? I don't know. Like the, Everything counts more than we think. Yeah, it's like life can all seem so meaningless at times, but you've just got to take a step back and like yield to the bigger picture or at least the hope that there is one and you know, find something to believe in your heart of hearts, you know. So I think that in the the words in itself as i said like it's it's very ambiguous but the, the the best lines are ambiguous because i think that it everything mattering more than you think can be taken in such a positive or a negative way the positive being that like there's there's so much meaning imbued in everything around you and that's kind of beautiful it's like as you can look for like what it's all about it, it sounds really like everything has more value but the but the negative way to view it is everything's at risk all the time it all matters <laughs> Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, if, if everything counts more than you think, then you shouldn't be going life quite so quickly and brazenly because it's all really fucking important. Yeah, I, yeah, that's interesting. It's at, it's at one time exciting, but also terrifying. If everything counts. It almost like, if, if you are someone who's relaxed, it almost implies that you shouldn't be. Can't let you, I can't let you ruin this line for me. For me, it's no. like, I, I, I'm the cynic of the two and I, I find such hope in that line. I mean... <laughs> you know, it actually reminds me of... Um, in the in the Sopranos, there's a there's a bit where Tony Soprano ends up in the hospital. I think it's when he's had a coma, right? And he he gets irritated by this for his own reasons. But it's I think it's actually quite sweet that someone pins that uh, pins a message on on the board by his bed that just says, uh, "Sometimes I go about in pity for myself, and all the while a great wind carries me across the sky." And that's that's the kind of meaning I get from everything counts a little more than we think. This this sense that there is a deeper. There's something out there that we, we can never fully understand, but we wow. just have to be cognizant of it, I guess. Huge line. Mm. I'm glad we got onto the Sopranos as well. It was going to happen eventually. <laughs> yeah. Man, I love Tony Soprano. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Tony Soprano would be a national fan, do you? He's around the dinner table in our imaginary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That'd be great. Leave it up.
it went through many different stages. And at some point we had Sufyan play to it. And he, he, he wrote that melody, the kind of counter melody in the chorus. Cause the, there isn't a lot of word, you know, it's just Ada. I mean, there are, there is not a big sort of chorus melody or anything. It's kind of somewhat mon. The whole song is a little bit monotone. And then, you know, the second chorus is just Ada, 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 but it's important that that counter melody is there as this sort of hook. Um, so Sufyan wrote that and, um, and then also the breakdown after the second chorus where he plays sort of reharmonizes the chords a little bit. Um, and yeah, so it just, it kind of came together through a lot of different, uh, phases, I guess. It's like, it start maybe it started as this guitar thing. Um, but then we had to go down these different paths to sort of finish it. And a lot of times it is like taking something, at least with boxer because of the way, Matt was singing without, you know, not screaming, not doing some of those things. We had to look for other ways to sort of give a sense of completion or give a sense of movement or arriving somewhere or, or, you know, and so it ended up being these counter melodies or these textural shifts that would happen or out, you know, musical things that would happen. Um, as opposed to like maybe some of the alligator songs are more just, in some ways, traditional rock songs like Abel were just kind of like rocking out, you know. Leave it all up in the air. Leave it all up in the air. Leave it all up in the air. Ada, 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 Ada. Ada, I can hear the sound of your laugh through the wall. I guess on, on some level, just the re- repetition of Ada is just, it's a fucking song and you need to have, you know, a chorus and you need to have something you can repeat. <laughs> sometimes, if, yeah. Sometimes yeah, you just got to yeah. fill the void. <laughs> but also maybe there's a sense of pleading here. Ada, Ada. Like, oh, wow, he's, yeah. he's trying to be like, st- he's like, stay with me, girl, kind of thing. Like, it's going to be all right. Good God. Yeah, you're right. Repeating someone's name is very like, can you, imagine if I just talked to you like this, Chris, Chris, Chris. Yeah. It's Chris. Like, you're it's trying like, to, I'd be like, you're trying to, cut through my insanity and tell me that something's like wrong <laughs> oh my god yeah um and then yeah and ada i can hear the sound of your laugh through the wall this is the one that i misheard as i for ages i thought it was ada i can hear the sound of your life through the wall oh, which nice. i think works in its own way but yeah. i think here the for me you could, there could be this could be cynical readings of this but i think of it as like ada your happiness is like close by i can hear it just like stay with me you'll get there like we'll mm. get through to it I, it's he know he knows that there is there is the laughter, but it's just getting through to that somehow. I love this line because it takes on it make, it, for me it changes the song a little bit. At this point, I start to picture Ada as someone that this narrator doesn't know, like a neighbour, like someone who lives next door who you've seen, and almost like in the way that Brainy was like a uh, a little bit of a creepy like a, a de- private detective, like like getting under the skin of someone. And now when he says like I can hear the sound of your laugh through the wall, not only is it a little bit sinister in that he's like. Maybe it's got that, you know, when you get like a glass up mm. against the wall to hear against it. Um, I totally just sort of like went down this tangent of thinking about how it could be someone that he doesn't know at all and he can just hear her and he's just projecting all of these things onto her. Like, and uh, he's like imagining the life of this person that he doesn't know. Quite. And then all these, all of these like quite strange and bizarre, uh, interesting things that he says to Ada are all just like, yeah, quite projected. And I, and I kind of like that. Yeah. Again, yeah, it's just about that. like painting your own like story as you listen to a song, and I kind of like 
that idea of it being about the lives of others around you. Like I've always really been interested in like the idea that like if you look, if you walk down a street and look at houses, I was trying to imagine. Imagine if all the walls were transparent and you could just see all these little people living their lives. I've always found that really fascinating. Yeah, like, like when someone's front room, you know, you can see through the window and you just see them sitting in there and you have a little a moment for a moment. You just kind of imagine their life. Mm, I love that sort of like, um, I guess quite far quite far removed empathy that they'll never know but sort of like looking at someone and being like maybe everything's going all right for you over there yeah oh you know what that actually actually really reminds me of um uh, a song that you and i talk about quite a lot um wichita lineman uh with that like empathy for people that you don't really know hold on yeah. I, I do have notes on this from um from uh, that jimmy webb who rotate me two seconds it's on my laptop actually the ultimate song about imagining someone's life yeah exactly okay i found it here it's in my notes um okay so for those who don't know, Wichita Lineman is an incredible, incredible song. Really, really beautiful. And I guess it just sums that up. Like when we're talking about Ada, maybe, maybe our narrator doesn't know Ada, and, and he, but he can hear the sounds of her life through the wall. I really go to a place of thinking about trying to find empathy for people that you don't know. And that's a, that's a really lovely thing. But no one has got it, done it better than um, the Glen Campbell song, which Tor Lyman, which was actually written by someone called Jimmy Webb, who's quite a prolific songwriter. Um, here's what he said about uh, when he was writing which Tor Lyman. Like uh, he said, um, I think he was talking about where he actually was from. I think he was from like the, uh, or he, he wrote it about the Kansas Oklahoma border. And he's describing this place. He says, there's a place where the terrain absolutely flattens out. It's almost like you could take a level out of your toolkit and put it on the highway and that bubble would just sit right on the dead centre. It goes on that way for about 50 miles in the heat of summer with the heat rising off the road, the telephone poles gradually materialise out of this far distant perspective and rush towards you. And then as it happened, I suddenly looked up at one of these telephone poles and there was a man on top talking on a telephone. He was gone very quickly and had another 25 minutes of uh, 25 miles, sorry, of solitude to meditate on this apparition. It was a splendidly vivid cinematic image that I lifted out of my deep memory while I was writing this song. I thought, I wonder if I can write something about that. A blue collar everyman guy. A blue collar everyman guy we all see everywhere, working on the railroad or working on the telephone wires or digging holes in the street. I just tried to take an ordinary guy and open him up and say, Look, there's this great soul and there's this great aching and this great loneliness inside this person. And we're all like that. We all have this capacity for these huge feelings. Um, and then I have a few more notes in this for another interview where he said, um, he was talking about Billy Joel. He said, Billy Joel came pretty close one time when he said that Wichita Lyman is a simple song about an ordinary man thinking extraordinary thoughts. That got to me. It actually brought tears to my eyes. I had never really told anybody how close to the truth that was. What I was really trying to say was, you can see someone working in construction or working in a field, a migrant worker or a truck driver, and you may think you know what's going on inside of him, but you don't. You can assume, you can't assume that just because someone's in a menial job, they don't have dreams or extraordinary concepts going around in their head, like, I need you more than want you, and I want you for all time. You can't assume that that man isn't a poet. And that's really what that song is about. Man, I love that song so much. Yeah, yeah, he puts it puts it beautifully. I mean, this isn't a Glenn Campbell podcast. That's that's a different series. But I think, in some way, I hope those those song, that the link between those two songs makes sense. It's like, I don't know if Ada really was someone who was living next door that we don't really know. But I suppose none of us really know Ada. You know, apart yeah, from, we don't know who she is. We we try and we try and form 
relationships to the characters in the songs, even though they a don't exist or b we don't know them. But you do, you, you really form relationships with them. And in the same way, try and think about that man at the telephone wire who was in the uh, in the, in the Wichita Lyman song. Who anybody you walk past in the street or drive past in the desert who's just doing something, they have the exact same capacity for highs and lows as you do. And that's an incredibly powerful feeling. And it's amazing the humility and like the humanizing effect it can have if you try and do that out in the real world when, that's you, lovely. when you see people around, you know? Yeah, you know, like just like ask your Uber driver how yeah. he is or like... person who cut you up on the road, they're probably having a shit day. Yeah, you don't need to flip them off, you know, just... Add a little more hell to their day, as Matt said, you don't need to do that. Yeah, you don't need to do that. That's a, that's a really lovely sentiment. He's writing to himself too. And I think this is one of those songs where you kind of hear um, Matt learning in, when he's doing that, he's sort of, he's writing to calm himself down. And that's a kind of, that's also a kind of, hopefully what we all hope comes with aging is like, that ability to be a little nicer even to the mean voices in our own heads or to the parts of ourselves that are so that are that are breaking down um i sincerely hope so I, I, right? if i find that as I, I age i'll be delighted i think but I, but again yeah right like time will tell <laughs> it hasn't <laughs> happened in this household either i guarantee you so <laughs> that was like yeah sometimes you might write something in hopes that later you will <laughs> yeah. you will get there yeah Talk about reasons why you don't want to talk about reasons why you don't want to talk. Now that you got everybody, you consider sure all alone, all together, all together in the dark. Leave it all up in the So here we have a repetition of both the verse and the chorus, but then we have a slight variant on that theme right at the end. And the final words of the song are, Ada, I can hear the sound of your laugh through the wall. Ada, 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 I've been hoping you know your way around. So I, I, I kind of wrestled with that line for so long, thinking, yeah, what's going on? And then I realised that just for me it's really simple. It's... um. The, you know, the narrator really cares for Ada and worries about her, and here he's just hoping that she finds a way around that wall to a place where she might be okay enough to laugh again. You know, that yeah, this idea that that laugh is so close by, you can hear it through the wall. I guess if we're talking about empathy, that's kind of it, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, Ada, 
I hope you hope you know your way around. I've been, I've been hoping you find your. He's like I feel like he's oh, like, right. He's I've like been to hoping. me he's like he's been lying awake. He's like I've been hoping that you find your way around. I I, I really Ooh. I do really do get a really sincere feeling of empathy from this from this narrator. Like I don't think it's a romantic song. I think Aid is a friend, and I think he's a friend he's just worried about. Hmm. Nice. Um... Nice repetition of the three words. I've been hoping. That's another. It's a national line that comes up later in this history. I've been hoping to drink. Yeah. Tapping the table, hoping to drink. Definitely relates to that one. Sorry. Definitely relates to both. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I've been hoping. Um, I've I've been hoping. It's such a nice thing to sort of, you can sort of picture someone being quite meditative in a chair, hoping. Yeah. But this one specifically for Ada. I've been hoping you know your way around. Like. Um, I yeah. I, I I feel for this guy. You know, it's like. The whole vibe is, you know, we're here for you, um, you know, but what what can we really do? You know, it, it's like my reading of, you know, how do you keep, it's hard to keep track of you falling through the sky when you don't, you know, for me, it's sort of kind of, you can't really ever fully understand what someone's experiencing. Like you can never be inside, in, inside their consciousness or inside their soul, but you just have to be there and hope that you can understand as much as you can, I guess. So do we think that overall Ada is quite a, a, a song of empathy? Quite yeah, a, I like, think so. Really? Not just in the last line about hoping, but like looking at Ada's life from afar and sort of just like wishing it the best and maybe giving advice in certain bits. Yeah. Albeit that some some of it does sound a little bit. Am I am I alone in thinking that it's a little bit sinister? Like the way that he says, "I've been hoping you know your way round." It does remind me of the brainy line about "Think I better follow you around." Yeah, I I, I can see that. But yeah. I, I don't know. It's, I think I, it's that yeah. thing about all of all of Matt's lines or or Matt and Corinne's lines, I should say, are so like. Um, really really beautifully ambiguous in that mm. way that there are there are positives and negatives imbued in a lot of what's said yeah it's one of my favorite songs in the album um but i it's not i don't actually think about that narrative and necessarily about ada as much i think it's just a really beautiful piece of songwriting and, and oh, as we, as musically we amazing about, not no not even musically like just like just the kind of the lyrical the the, the processes like the man corinna doing here and like i think uh-huh. It was something I was trying to get at in the the short story I mentioned. There's a and I I, I wrote there's a passage in it where I say um, it's it's just talking about a, a girl deciding to just spend the entire day or maybe longer in bed. And uh, I wrote. Oh, I remember this story. It was called um, too much everything. Too much everything. Yeah. Um, I, I put her bed sat squarely like a chess rook in the corner of her room, which was basic and tidy except for a few belongings the ravages of the week had sighed onto it. At least four hairbands were immediately visible on the floor. A packet of camels sat on a dresser which was seasoned with mostly copper coins. The corner of a vaguely eastern rub, rug flaps back on itself as though panting. A leather jacket quickly shed the night before splayed out on it at a weird angle, like the outline of a dead guy in a film noir. And yeah, I think what I was trying to get at and what this, similarly this song does is like just imagining the lives of clothes and the lives of objects and seeing them as these dormant, abandoned things. Mm. Also, Toy Story, Toy Story did that very well as well. <laughs> 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 that's true and I'm glad we've got Toy Story in the zeitgeist yes, important reference <laughs> <laughs> we're really nailing the pop culture references um, yeah oh, that's nice writing that's lovely yeah I Thanks, think buddy. I think that um, what you've done there is almost similar to like the empathy we feel for Ada or the Wichita lineman you're feeling like empathy for these everyday objects which is really lovely what is it like a, a rug with one corner back on itself almost like panting yeah it's cute it's nice writing I just want to love everyone, man. That's my, that's my takeaway from the song. Lakes, inanimate objects, they're all good guys to me. <laughs> Lovely. 
Coffee and Flowers is brought to you by Vero, a subscription-based social network which respects your privacy and doesn't sell your data to advertisers. Follow Coffee and Flowers and Vero to find and search all the songs, books, films and other things that we reference in each of the episodes. Download Vero for free on iOS and Android. Go to get.vero.co slash coffee and flowers. That's get.vero.co slash coffee and flowers. Coffee and Flowers is hosted by Christopher Hooten and David Rapson and produced by Christopher Bolson. Julian Wharton composed the theme and engineers the show at the Bison Room in London. 